And welcome to it, the Piero Pelka Podcast. Mike here. Thanks for joining us. It is going to be a busy week for me as I'm doing some traveling ahead of the New Hampshire primary. No, I'm not headed to New Hampshire. They have plenty of media weasels already in New Hampshire. I'm actually headed to Las Vegas, Nevada to cover something called SHOT Show, which has all the latest, coolest stuff relating to shooting, hunting, outdoor And it's going to be amazing. I'll be live on a Minnesota radio station. I'll send you a link. I'll post it on puropelka.com and on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all that stuff. I'll send you a link where you can tune in later Monday. But I'll be live Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And we'll, of course, be covering whatever's going down in the primary in New Hampshire. Because my prediction, and this is because I'm recording this on Sunday, is that Ron DeSantis drops out on Monday and endorses Donald Trump and then gets back in the uh, Trump good graces ahead of 2028. I think that would be the death knell for the Nikki Haley campaign. We'll see. I could be completely wrong. I've been completely wrong many times before. But that's, uh, that's the big story I'm predicting for Monday when I'll be flying most of the day. I'll be in the air. i got to change planes in Denver, all kinds of crazy stuff. But we'll get to uh, everything that happens in the news. What I wanted to do was make sure you heard my interview with Meg Kissinger. Meg Kissinger is an author who's written an absolutely remarkable, powerful, emotional book called While You Were Out. It is a true story, her true story, of her family and their battle With mental illness, depression, suicide, it is a beautiful story. And it's filled with, as you can imagine, tragedy. But if in the end, this tragedy leads to more people getting help, more people being able to deal with mental health issues, then that's a good thing. So I'm I'm very glad to have Meg Kissinger here. Uh, Full disclosure, I knew Meg Kissinger Years ago, decades ago, she was the, uh, the very close friend of one of my high school girlfriends. Okay, my, my only high school girlfriend. I wasn't popular in high school, though, not even close. And I'm so happy to have Meg Kissinger here. Meg Kissinger, welcome, my friend. Mike, it is such a pleasure. I think the, the last time I saw you, are we allowed to talk about how long ago it was? Because, you know, some people get nervous. Sure. About, yeah, it was 49 yeah. years ago. Oh, my God in heaven. 49 years. Yeah. Wow. 49 years now ago. Now I feel old. You were, you were good friends with my high school girlfriend, who I haven't seen mm-hmm. in, in just about the same amount of time. And I'm thinking she's probably very happy about that. And uh, and we all were on the north side of Chicago. We all were attending lovely Catholic high schools and hanging out mm-hmm. together. And then everybody went their separate ways. And yeah. you you grew up to be this incredible investigative journalist, a great writer and award-winning writer and now award-winning author of a remarkable tale uh, true story of your your family's life and struggles with mental illness. Let's let's get a plug in for the book while you were out. I, I give me the rest of the title, Meg. It's much too long for me. Yeah, it's a long one. So it's called "While You Were Out: An Intimate Family Portrait of Mental Illness in an Era of Silence." Yeah. Now, as 
as a kid who grew up Catholic, silence in family uh, discussions was kind of the standard. Did you have that in your household too? We did, which is kind of ironic, Mike, because we're all a bunch of blabbermouths and the banter at the dinner table was lively. So we talked a lot, um, but we just didn't talk about some of the stuff that we needed to, including what the heck was going on in our family with, you know, the depression and anxiety and the mental illness around us. But, you know, because you and I are the same age, uh, so you know the era that I'm writing about, we, it wasn't that we were intentionally not talking about it. We just didn't know how to talk about it. We didn't have the language for it. We just that those were discussions that just we didn't know how to have. That's that's a really important point. We didn't have the language for it. Sitting at a dinner table where there are sometimes two parents there at the same time and just a whole passel of kids. I was one of nine. You're one of eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, Where are you in line, Mike? What what number are you? Number four. Okay, and and I'm fourth of eight. So you're fourth of nine. I'm fourth of eight. But yeah, the, we were slackers. We only had eight kids. The middle of the boys. I was the middle of the boys. I, I was right there, and there were two two older brothers, two younger brothers punching me. It all worked out. Uh, but at at those dinner tables, Meg, it was hard to get serious on a topic, was it not? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, first of all, you were competing for airtime. And uh, there were Cubs games to talk about or, you know, uh, who, whose night it was to do the dishes or who's sticking their tongue out at who. So it was, it was chaos. And um, we made, I, I kind of liked that. I liked being in the middle of that big family because it was a good place to hide. Yeah, that's an interesting line, too. It was a good place to hide while the chaos was going on underneath the surface with all of those little people there growing up, there were mm-hmm. troubles brewing and nobody was seeing it. Right. I mean, I had a suspicion. So I write about in the book how when I was in first grade, I came downstairs for breakfast looking for my mom because she was always there making cream of wheat or whatever. And uh, she, one morning she just wasn't there. And when I asked where she was, nobody was able to tell me. And um, I thought she'd gone off and had another baby, but that wasn't the case. As it turned out, she was being hospitalized for what I learned years later was depression, probably postpartum depression. But I wasn't told that. My grandmother just told me to tell the nuns at school that she had pneumonia. And I knew that that wasn't true. So I was a little scared about that. You know, it seemed like something was bad enough that we couldn't talk about it. And that, that frightened me. Well, I understand. I, I understand it greatly. We're talking with Meg Kissinger. She's written a brilliant book called While You Were Out. And uh, it is a very touching and important story about a family and the battles with mental health. Now, Meg, I don't want to give away too many stories in the book because I want people to experience what I experienced when I read this book. Two days now. It took me two days. I was mm-hmm. so engrossed in it. And there are several pages with little tear stains, I have to tell you. Oh, it's a. Oh, Mike. Well, <laughs> I wasn't there. You you went through it all. You survived it, Meg. What was it like mm-hmm. trying to get your family to cooperate and share their stories so that th- this book could be written? This is the greatest part of the whole book, as far as I'm concerned, is 
my brothers and sisters and their willingness to share this story. Because, Mike, as I say in the very first sentence of the book, you know, if any of my brothers and sisters pulled a stunt like this, I'd file a restraining order against them. You know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of tough stuff that happened in our family that really you're not that excited to be talking about. But I think it's important that we do discuss these things because mental illness is toxic. It's, it's, it can be deadly. And it was deadly in our family's case. So when I, I really wanted to tell this story, um, having spent so many years as a reporter covering our country's poor mental health system. And so I just knew there was a compelling story to tell about what a family goes through. So when I approached my brothers and sisters with this idea, I had my fingers crossed, but I was, it was a pretty easy bet on my part because they're good, they're good people. And, you know, we're now up there, we're in our sixties. My older sister's 71. So we've lived good lives and we, have some wisdom to share. So um, bless their hearts. They were all in and quite willing. And even in, again, discussing some pretty cringeworthy stuff. Yeah, it's a tough book at times to read, but as I said, it's vital. And I, I truly believe that in, in your completing the book and in your work as an investigative journalist reporting on the state of mental health care in this country, specifically when you were up in the, and you're still in Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you seeing any changes to the positive? I mean, I'm an optimistic, per, uh, optimistic person, so I I always look at things with the glass at least half full. So I do see improvement in the way we are now talking about mental illness. Um, so you know, people are coming out of the woodwork to identify themselves as struggling with depression or anxiety. I think the pandemic made people appreciate what it's like to feel isolated and scared and alone. And those are all, those are all emotions that people with mental illness experience. So I, there's more empathy right now, I I think for people who um, suffer from mental illness. So that's an improvement, you know, just talking about it because as kind of woo woo or squishy as that sounds, it's really where it begins. It's it, it really, we, we can't tackle a problem if we don't talk about it. And, and we didn't used to talk about mental illness and now we are. So there's a lot left to do. We need so much more in way, by way of access to mental health care, but um, we're starting to talk about it. So I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Well, you're a little bit of a fire starter when it comes to that topic, Meg. It's, it's, um, attributed, I'm sure, to your work and your journalism work on on the subject. But more importantly, I think this book, it's a bestseller. It's gotten a lot of attention. And I encourage people, if you're looking for a book to just curl up with and dive into, and it's a story of a family that's a true story, but it's also the story of a problem that needs attention here in our world. While You Were Out by Meg Kissinger. I encourage you get it, get it in paper, get it on the on the <laughs> audible book on tape thing, whatever you get. It is uh, it is darn worth your while. And if nothing else, it got me to have the opportunity to talk with an old friend, Meg Kissinger. Meg, I'm so proud of you for what you've done. Oh, here. Michael, thank you. Yeah, thanks. I'm proud of you. 
I don't know why. (laughs) No, no, that's so wrong. It's so wrong, Meg. You haven't seen all the pictures. You got to stop now. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I'm grateful for that chance to spread the word and um, have these conversations that we didn't used to be able to have. And now, thank God, we are. So, yeah, talking is healing, people. And uh, you have to be the person who starts the conversation, maybe. So don't be afraid. Yeah. Uh, Meg, there's a chance I'm going to be in Milwaukee for a political convention this summer, if there is. I uh, heard something about that. I hope yeah. to buy you a beer. Yeah, but no Cubs material. Uh, it's all White Sox for me. Oh, uh, well, we'll agree to disagree. <sighs> Meg Kissinger, thank you so much. Michael Paco, thank you. And there she goes. And here I go, headed to the airport to get on a Boeing jet. Pray for me and go get Meg's book. It's really a wonderful book. Uh, Much to talk about this week in terms of the politics and a whole bunch of news that I'm sure will be breaking by the time I'm back on the air Tuesday morning. Till next time, testudo, my friends, testudo.